got to operate in truth, right? Operate in truth. Tell the truth. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Gator Truth, Lord of Football podcast. I'm Daniel, and on this episode, we're going to take a look at the Gators' 43-20 loss in Jacksonville to the Georgia Bulldogs this past Saturday. Saturday was kind of unique for me. Without getting into too many details, I actually got discharged from a hospital at 11.15 in the morning, drove up to Jacksonville, and made it to the game where I sat with some fun people I don't usually sit next to and people that you may or may not know if I were to say their names. With that said, it was an entertaining afternoon. However, it was not the best game to look for. And I just got to start off by saying a lot of the reactions, I'm seeing a lot of people make it up that it's about that we lost when I know a lot more people are upset about how we lost, about it being the third time this season we only scored once before we were down three scores, that for the third time this season we don't really score till the game's way out of hand, you know, to even come back and we pad a bunch of stats and say, look how we kept fighting, but we're facing teams that have already stopped playing the game essentially are just running the clock out. So, and that's not to be negative. That's just to be, here's the fact of the matter. It's not good that in year two, we're seeing this multiple times. It's easy to say, well, that's Georgia, but this is the same Georgia team that was down at the half to Carolina and they were at home in Athens. This is the same team that went to Auburn and played Auburn with a first year coach and almost lost that game. This is the team that was missing their best offensive weapon. Not saying we could have, I mean, we could have won. There was a narrow path to victory, but it's not just the fact that we lost. It's how we lost. We didn't look too great on defense. Outside of the first drive, we didn't look too good on offense. And we're going to get into some specifics. I don't really have slides today. But with that said, that's the focus I want to talk about as we go through and be honest. As Billy Napier said last August, early September, after we beat Utah, you've got to operate in truth. And that is what this podcast is about. That's how that got tagged to the beginning. We are going to tell the truth, and the truth is not always what you want to hear as much as you wish it was. And that's why I like to stick to the objective rather than the subjective and not being able to define terms and all the intangible stuff that a lot of people like to throw out there. I will tell you, here's what it is. Here's the measurables. Here's what I see, you know, and do that from that perspective. Like, I'm going to be honest. We are still in play for the seven wins this season that I said is my bar for success. It doesn't change whether we win or lose. That seven is still seven. And if we get there, we get there. If we don't, we don't. But at the end of the day, I don't change my mind because I stick to the objective. I stick to what is. I don't move goalposts. Part of the reason this podcast started was because I remember hearing about how much champ had it. You just got to wait for time. Oh, no, no, not 
forget that I lost his Georgia Southern at home. He's got a setup. Oh, no, 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 no. He finally beat Georgia. So, therefore, everything's fine. Forget all the losses or losing in South Carolina and just the changes with that. Or, hey, having the 114th ranked offense is not good and hearing WRUF tell people all throughout 2017 until Jim McElwain was let go how great a 114th ranked offense was. Or, you know, Dan Mullen, he's got us up for success and saying his recruiting isn't there. And now we're seeing that. And I can't take serious people who were telling me in November of 2021, he's got us set up who now say he left us with the most barren program of all time. It doesn't make sense. And I say that because I want to say as a foundation of where I'm coming from when I talk about this game. There are a few positives, but mostly there are things that just don't look good. The fact that we're two-thirds of the way of year two, and we're still having some of the same issues, and hopefully they do change with some off-season things. With that said, let's get into it. And I do want to start by briefly talking about that fourth down call that changed the game. I don't hate the idea of going for it on fourth down. I know some people hate that idea. They say punt, trust your defense. Our defense had allowed scoring on the first two drives, so I kind of understand going for it. I know there's talk, and I think Billy even said, if we make it, it's a great call. If we miss it, it's terrible. I know people that have said it's a terrible call either way. We would just, you know, count our victories if we made it. And there are people that said it's a great call either way. We just didn't execute. Even if we don't let that guy come in free, the it was called a pass. And Ricky Pearsall, who was out for the pass, was well covered. So it probably wasn't going to work for three or four different reasons. But the big thing for me about it is that it really shifted momentum in Georgia's favor it's 10-7 31 yards later it is 17-7 early in the next drive we fumble 11 yards later it is 24-7 we don't move the ball again it's now 26-7 with over 10 minutes to go in the second quarter and that's just not good guys there was a lot made about how we kind of came apart at the end of the first half of 2021. The began of the second quarter in this game was a lot of what we saw there just in some different ways. And I'd say in many ways, less fluky than what we saw in 2021 where balls were batted and, you know, guys fighting for extra yards just had is a one on six situation, a fumble, a little less fluky when it's a strip sack. A little less fluky when it's a well-defended trick play. And when you only have two guys as your second-level blockers on a punt team, and then you allow a punt block, which, again, we have terrible special teams. Those are things, like, all those things I just mentioned cannot happen. But to talk about special teams, not only did you have that punt block, well, on Georgia's first drive, our field goal block team only had 10 guys until an 11th ran on right before the ball was snapped. 
I don't know how we keep having this, and that's definitely something Billy needs to focus on in the offseason. And we're going to see the kind of CEO he is if Chris Couch remains as part of this staff. With that said, after that, after we talk about that bad breakdown in the beginning of the first half that followed this fourth, you know, fourth down try, we didn't get it again. If we make it great again, or not again, but I think the overruling the spot was bad, but still. You got to take it how it is, and you got to make that conversion if you're going to go for it. Whether that's you line up and do it, or you do a pop pass or screen pass, and you just hope you do that, but got a little too flowery, and it punished us. Again, if it works, you're like, okay, we made it. If it doesn't work, then you're going to take heat, and it didn't work, and there's heat. And that's just one of the facts of football, no matter what fan base you are no matter what level of football you are. But with that said, I do want to contrast that offense with Georgia's offense. They lost their top player in Brock Bowers, their number one weapon. And I think that almost made them better at offense because now they had to figure out ways to get their different weapons the ball, how to get guys like Lad McConkey more involved in the offense. And he had a big game against us. And a lot of that is, we can't force feed our number one player. Let's find different ways to get creative and strike this defense. And Mike Bobo and Georgia did a great job of that. You do have to acknowledge when the other team does a great job. Now, I will say I did. I am partly pointing out that and a lot of things we saw in that this did reminded remind me of a Jim McElwain slash Doug Nussmeyer game. A lot of times in the Jim McElwain era with Doug Nussmeyer as our offensive coordinator, we would have awesome first drives that would take us down for field goals, touchdowns. We'd look amazing. Examples of this include the bowl game against Michigan after the 2015 season or even FSU 2016, where first drive, we move the ball down the field. The problem is after that, the offense would stall and stall and stall and then not do much until we were down big if they did anything at all. Well, watch this game. I just described this game. Beautifully designed opening drive. We're talking about, we're seeing, you know, Wilson get thrown the ball on an in route. We're seeing all sorts of creativity, getting some good runs. And then, of course, Third down, our tendency to run slants. We did run one slant this game that wasn't on third down. It went for seven yards. But on third down, slant to Wilson, which they adjusted to later. Slant to Wilson. He outruns his guy, beats, splits the safeties, gets in for a touchdown. With that said, after that, we didn't do much. Once we got down 26 to 7, the defense had, not including the end of the first half, the defense had three straight times they forced Georgia to punt. It may or may not be a different game if the offense does a better job there. If the offense scores once in the first half, 
because we stopped them twice before the end of the half. If the offense scores a touchdown on one of those, going to the half, it's 26-14. If we get that stop coming out of the break and then score a touchdown, it's 26-21. Again, I'm playing coulda, shoulda, woulda, and ifs. But once it gets 26-21, you start getting that momentum back that you never got back. Maybe Georgia starts playing tighter like they did against Auburn and South Carolina. Maybe you see stuff like that. But unfortunately, we didn't. We saw lots of three, four, five and outs. We saw all sorts of not great stuff. We saw outside of screens, We and even it was only one screen, we didn't see Wilson get the ball from the first drive to a lot of the way through the third quarter outside of one screen on a third and long, which didn't make much sense. And it's not youth that doesn't get your best playmaker the ball. It's not, you know, an O-line problem that you're not finding ways to get your best playmaker the ball outside of screens. Again, your tendency that a Kirby Smart, that a Will Muschamp, that a lot of the defensive staff We'll know your tendencies. In fact, third down later, the only time we went down to Wilson down the field outside of the first drive of the game, he gets laid out by a safety after a decent gain. But why was that? Because they knew our tendencies that we mostly throw screens on third or fourth down. They got beat on it earlier. They adjusted waited for the play to come again, and the safety was there when he needed to be. Also things we've seen from the McElwain-Nussmeyer offense that we saw, and I've talked about this before, are the throws short of the sticks on third and fourth down. I know against Kentucky, a lot of people saw one by Arliss Boardingham, and they were saying, no, that's his fault. He didn't run the route deep enough. But again, if it were one time, then it's a player. If it's consistent and you can bring bring up examples of almost every game of a coach's tenure or of a coordinator's tenure, then it's systemic. It's they're running the routes they're told to be run. And that's something we've got to get better at. Again, I hate harping on this. I hate comparing this to the Jim McElwain, Doug Nussmeyer offense. But when you see the similarities, the similarities are there. I challenge you to show me that we don't throw short of the sticks quite a bit on third and fourth down. I challenge you to show me in this game where I'm comparing it to a beautifully scripted first drive and the offense not doing much after while the game's in the balance. I challenge you to show me that's not true. If you don't think it's true, call me out. Call me out on Twitter or else acknowledge that I'm just stating a fact here. Now, again, defense was not great. Lots of missed tackles. Lots of just letting guys run after the catch. But like I said, there is a momentum at play. The game was 10-7. They did get three straight stops. And our offense didn't do anything with it. And you've got to capitalize when you have that. The defense also, you know, 
that 16 straight points, they gave up only 42 yards. I understand with 31-yard fields, you want them to stop for a field goal. 11-yard field, it'd be great to stop for a field goal. But most of the time, big momentum swings like that are going to end up in touchdowns for the other team if they've got a decent offense, especially if they've got a decent offense like Georgia. And I'm not going to lie. I've seen this a lot. Yes, there is a talent gap. However, again, a talent gap does not avoid getting Wilson the ball for two quarters. A talent gap doesn't decide we're going to throw the ball short of the sticks. And that play happens so fast, that's what it's designed to do. Or running screens on third down. Or running slants almost exclusively on third and fourth down. That is not talent gap. That is coaching. That is tendencies. That is decisions. Talent gap is we couldn't generate pressure on Beck, which was one of my keys. If we got pressure on him, we might get him into mistakes. We didn't get much pressure on him. We talk about talent gap. Yeah, that's maybe us not pushing around their D-line as much. But again, when I'm talking about this offense not finding creative ways outside the first down, you know, or first drive, that's not talent gap. That's offensive creativity. That's not youth. That's offensive creativity. I'm not saying that, again, not saying the defense was great. Plenty of mistakes allowed, plenty of big plays, failed to tackle plenty of times. But in a game with a margin of error so small, they do get three straight stops. You got to at least score one of those times. And I don't know. It's not a great game, but hopefully, again, seven wins is still in the balance. Hopefully that was an aberration coming against a good team. Again, Georgia's a great team. I'm not taking that away from them. What I'm saying is, they're also a team that had problems on the road. They're also a team that barely beat Auburn. They're a team that was losing at the half to South Carolina, who lost their best player after the first drive of that game. Or their best player not named Spencer Rattler. There's a chance that this game could have been better than a 23-point loss. It's not that we lost. It's how that we lost, and we've lost multiple times this season. I like to be happy, come on here, but I'm not going to come in and pretend that everything's fine and this was a great performance, and it's only because Georgia's, you know, in whatever year of Kirby now, eight, nine. And that's what it is, but it's not. It's not. Um there's things we got to get better at, and hopefully we get better at that moving on and we see stuff. We've got four games left. Let's hope to win them. Uh, two in the swamp. Definitely need to finish up winning well in the swamp. We'll come back. We're going to talk about the Arkansas game later on in the week, and hopefully we have a good, fi- fun time with that. I always enjoy the salute to those who serve weekends. If you're listening uh, on podcast, check out our YouTube page. We do have a video from last year's uh, salute to those who serve. It's 
probably my favorite halftime show of the year. Definitely check that out if you get a chance or check out any of the versions from previous years. I know they are on YouTube. And with that said, I really don't have much more to say. This was an ugly one. Not a lot of fun. But we move on. And hopefully, you know, good days are ahead. But for now, there's a lot to fix and a lot we've got to be honest about that needs to be fixed. With that said, thank you all for listening. And as always, go Gators.